another wonderful, spectacular, second-to-last episode of Dragon Age Inquisition here on Normandy FM. Ken, we're we almost that, at the end. We call that penultimate. I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. I was second-to-last. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting wistful. I'm getting sad, almost. We're going to have to say goodbye to all these wonderful folks in a little bit. We'll have to say goodbye to all these wonderful companions we've spent so long talking about yeah i mean you you won't miss some of them Mm. (laughs) i'll miss like two of them yeah i mean look there there are plenty of wonderful characters in the dragon age universe that both kenneth shepherd and i myself eric van allen have have come to love over over god the year of dragon age coverage we have done and um oh boy uh it's dragon age coverage talk about a time of year to be doing dragon age yeah. coverage. <laughs> uh, love that they're packing this all in into the last two episodes of the season yeah i mean ken so a couple things before we get started with what is our episode this week uh which is covering the mission doom upon all the world it's the final mission of dragon age inquisition uh first one's a bit of housekeeping uh just to let y'all the listeners at home know uh ken and i obviously when we started this podcast it was kind of just a thing that we were two guys who have podcasted together for a long time had a shared love of the mass effect series wanted to see where a podcast could take us in in doing a retrospective of that series uh it was mostly me trying to call kenneth's bluff on doing a full podcast and now i have learned uh in retrospect that i should never try to call ken's bluff ever <laughs> uh this dude has a setting that is several notches higher than mine and he he man you should learn about some of the grudges he has held over time <laughs> <laughs> uh so i lost on that one folks and because i lost here we are at normandy fm uh whole two years later uh but we are two years in and i mean at this point it's looking like we're just going to keep on storming on into three um this has developed legs in a way that uh i know surprised me and and in a in a good way to be completely and, and totally clear like this is it's been heartwarming every week to see so many people like just new listeners tuning in saying oh my gosh i I'm, I'm a huge fan of these games. I've always wanted this sort of thing. Y'all have been very nice about it. Y'all have been wonderful. Y'all sent in so many excellent questions. Uh, we have a Q&A episode coming up for the holidays. Uh, if you want to send in messages for that or questions for that, uh, our, our email, normandyfm at gmail.com is always open, as is our, our Twitter. Um, we'll probably be doing the cutoff for that uh, right before, let's say, like, december 21st which is probably when we'll record so um just get stuff in before then but uh that also means that ken and i are taking the opportunity to examine the structure of the show and before that's that's no alarm bells that's nothing (laughs) to worry about um it just means that when we first envisioned this thing it was kind of like this almost a kickstarter which was like we're going to do the mass effect show for sure and then 
if we get enough support we'll do andromeda and then if we get enough support we'll do dragon age and etc etc and because of the excellent support y'all sent our way like we've gotten all the way almost to another one of our stretch goals uh but we wanted to re-examine and say you know if we're going to keep going this way that doesn't seem very sustainable in the long run and also just doesn't seem like the way we want to run some sort of show if we're doing this in the long run so in the next week or so we're going to be restructuring the patreon once we have something set in stone we will be telling you all about it likely next week uh but just as a a broad sweeping vision for what we envision uh i think the goal for both ken and i is to make it so that this is something that y'all will want to contribute to if you have the means but it's not something you have to contribute to it's like something we were talking about it just before the episode started one one point i wanted to put forward was i don't like the idea of us pay gating content or even or if we do i want that content to be available so say like if you back at a higher level to get that content you would still have it even if you back down to a lower uh i want I want it to feel, and, and Ken, I think you compared it to like a tip jar, like the idea that it should feel more like someone is contributing to the show because they like what they're doing, not like what we're doing, not mm. necessarily uh, because they need to to keep this going in the long right. run. Um, so we will be restructuring that. We'll have more to say about that in the coming week or so. But uh, just letting you all know, if you see stuff moving around on the Patreon or anything, don't panic. It's all good. We're just restructuring the show a bit because this has some legs on it. And we're actually like, we are already laying out some pretty long reaching plans for 2021. Uh, some pretty exciting things, uh, including one, I'll tease this a little bit. One uh, session, one coverage thing that is looking like it will be a non-Bioware game. And it will be a significant departure from what we usually cover, which should let us bring on some really awesome guests. So looking forward to that already that's something for y'all to look forward to as well but uh the other thing can i should have brought this up before we started recording but oh boy do we want to do the current events section of this podcast before we get into the mission um, or would you prefer we get to that later because this week we usually reserve our current events talk for after we've talked about the story stuff but we have a lot this week. <laughs> mm. I'm good with either. I just like, mm. yeah. Maybe we should let's start with it so we can, you know, kind of like leave this episode on like the note of like the actual meat of the game. Yeah, because we are like, like what we came even here though to we talk about <laughs> yeah, because like, and even though we are doing trespass on next week, we are talking about what is the end of Dragon Age Inquisition, and I feel like it, mm -hmm. we need to give that its due, even if it is not like the actual quote unquote end of the game yes yes that 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 was my thought was that if we're going to talk about the many many things that happened in the bioware sphere this week uh as as we do on this podcast we are after all a bioware retrospective podcast which would retrospect the things that have just happened uh probably behoove us to leave some of the other stuff for later so that way it doesn't feel perfunctory um let's start with what happened last I believe it was last Thursday, if I have my timing correct. If I remember my dates correctly. Yes, it was last Thursday. Yeah. Um, yeah. A message from Laura Miel, the chief studios officer at Electronic Arts, announcing that Casey Hudson and Mark Dara are leaving Bioware. Um, 
As we all know, Casey Hudson, general manager at BioWare, and Mark Dara has been executive producer on Dragon Age for pretty much its entire life. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are two pretty notable people in the leadership to be departing. Uh, stepping up in their place, um, Samantha Ryan, who has been overseeing the studio, uh, will continue to, to oversee the studio. Uh, Christian Daly who joined Bioware from Blizzard, will be stepping onto the Dragon Age project currently in development. Uh, I believe, I, I might need to double check this, but I read somewhere that he had previously worked at Bioware Austin. Like, he was previously a Bioware Austin guy before moving over. Um, and then obviously Mike Gamble is working on the uh, team with Mass Effect, specifically in regards to the next project that's coming, not the Legendary Edition. Uh, and they are currently searching for a new GM as well to replace Casey Hudson. But, uh, Ken, the benefit that we have here is that we're recording this podcast the Monday after. So we've had a little bit of time for this to sink in, a little bit of time mm. for us to kind of feel out how we feel about this. Where are you at with this news? Um, I'm in a weird spot where I'm like, Nobody needs to panic. Video games are made by large groups of people, and no individual is like. I mean, despite the fact that, like, you know, Casey and Mark were both like heads of like the Mass Effect trilogy and also Dragon Age, and there's been they they were not like holding the thing up by themselves. Um, but I don't think that like it's irrelevant. Like, I think there was maybe like a tendency of some people to be like. Oh, you know, like like I said, everything I just said, like games are made by a lot of people, not just by individuals. So like, there's no need to uh, panic. But it is like a trend lately for like a lot of like the people that have been with Bioware for, you know, some of like its highest highs are not there anymore. Um, and there have been reports like from Trier that have been about like the state of like that studio is like mm, messy. We'll we'll leave it there. Um, and so like I don't think it's necessarily on its like on its own it is something to panic about but i think it is like the fact that it seems to be a trend does worry me and like a lot of like the leads that were there for like like for you know the games that we really do enjoy from this uh studio they're leaving and i mean ndas are things that we will probably never know if or at least not mm-hmm. until it, not anytime soon we're not gonna know like really why this happened um but it does say a lot that neither of them have jobs lined up I think um you know what it says it's anyone's guess at this point um so that's kind of where I'm at like I don't like in an isolated sense I, I don't panic but like the fact that I we think people like David Gator Aaron Flynn like you know people that are very high up that have been around for a while leaving makes you wonder what things are like in that studio mm-hmm. I I think it's a reflection of I mean, the the thing that I've always taken away the most from that Schreier report that came out about uh, just Bioware in general uh, was that that quote, and it, I'm reminded of it again today because um, over at US Gamer, uh, my my boss Cat Bailey wrote an article today that was comparing Larian Studios and the way it had kind of handled the development of both The Witcher Three and cyberpunk which embargo went up for cyberpunk reviews today uh to bioware and the development of a lot of its games because there was a phrase 
that came out of that report of Bioware magic and the idea mm. that even if a game was not coming together, if you worked hard enough and put in enough hours and, and, and crunched on it enough, it would magically come together. And in some cases it worked. Like in the case of Inquisition, it worked. In the case of the Mass Effect trilogy, it worked. But it it also, like I think, infamously led to two big failures in a row like andromeda and anthem were not like despite individual feelings on on those games they were not what the studio needed them to be they were not the successes that the studio is accustomed to and it's put bioware on its back foot for a long time i think Mm -hmm. uh and so even though even though dragon age is progressing along uh, and even though I imagine a lot of work is already done on it, I mean, we've seen some of it in that concept trailer and all that. Um, this, this to me, I, I'm trying to still suss out through the marketing talk and through the, the corporate speak, whether this is something that res- like reflects internal strife or just internal issues with the game, or whether it really is a case of, like what they've said in their their letters that they want the next generation to step up and step forward Mm -hmm. because i think that alone is exciting to me the idea that writers and and developers who are inspired by the original mass effect or even by earlier bioware stuff could now be stepping into the like leadership roles at bioware that's personally very exciting to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i would want to see what sort of output they have there and and where they could steer that studio because i think one prevailing thing that I've taken away from going back over all these games is that I want to see Bioware start to stretch itself and start to look to new ideas and see how other companies have been, you know, lifting their stuff and lift in return and try to think about new ways that they can carry the studio. Um, so that to me is exciting. I think even the idea that uh, I did look it up, Christian Daly was the studio director of Bioware Austin. And despite how you feel about Anthem, like, it did some cool things like the combat in that game's pretty rad <laughs> all that like it's the idea of a bioware game that has not just serviceable combat but like going back to the days of mass effect 3 and having like really good crunchy good feeling combat would be great because i'll tell you right now before we even get to the boss battle here uh inquisition doesn't have the greatest combat <laughs> um and i was really feeling it this episode and so i I'm interested by the idea of just fresh takes on all of that and fresh ideas on all of that. Mm. Um, yeah, but it I, does um, it does merit concern. I I would not downplay that either. I think, especially with both of them departing at the same time, I think is right. what particularly sets that off because that's two very high people to leave at the same time. Right, and again, they both say in their things they don't have shit lined up, and like you know that's. Like, like, I think we were talking privately, and you were like, those are two people that probably can afford to do that, but also I don't... Yes. They... I can't imagine somebody just casually leaves somewhere that they've been for, like, a collective almost 20 years. Um, and I think something that, is, something that has really occurred to me is that, like, so for context, Casey Hudson was at the studio and then left for, like, I want to say, like, two Microsoft, or three years or so yeah like he, he went to microsoft but then he came back and the only game that they put out in the time where he was actually a gm was anthem mm-hmm. and i don't know if that's like it's hard to really kind of like suss out what his influence would have been on that game in the future anyway um but it, something that's like really hurting me is like I, 
it's it's really apparent that we don't really know what the state of the studio is right now because and and I, and I mean that more in like the kinds of games they are wanting to make more than any in like internal strife just because anthem was what it was you know, they are doubling down on it with the the uh the sort of like revamp of it um but we don't really know what form Dragon Age 4 is actually going to take, like, the concept mm-hmm. trailer we've seen was not definitive in any way in terms of, like, the actual structure of how that game is going to play. Um, we might, by the time we record the next episode, have some better idea. Um, but it is... It, what makes it troubling, or feel more troubling, is that, like, the projects that the Bioware is working on are all in, like, this state of relative unknown. So, like, you know, mm-hmm. they say, like, oh, I have, I have faith in the future of Bioware. And it's like, I'm sure... Like, I'm sure the person who, like, sees what's going on in there, like, you can say that and, like, mean it in whatever way you, like, however, whatever degree you do. But on the outside, where we have not seen anything new from Bioware, like, we, you know, Anthem was last year, almost, it's been almost two years since Anthem came out, but we still don't really have a sense God, of what kind it of really games... wasn't that long since Anthem came out. It feels like it's been ages. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But, but, like, we don't really have a sense of what Bioware is doing right now. Um... And I think that's, like, you know, the big question mark on everybody's, like, after Anthem, after Andromeda, and after, like, the weird revisions history on Inquisition, what is that studio, like, what lessons has that studio learned? Um, so, like, when, when all those question marks are out there, and then you see two prominent people leave at the same time with nothing else lined up, I mean, yeah, like, like you said, it's not, it's not necessarily, like, doomsday, but it's, like, not something to downplay either. It makes me wonder, and this is kind of the second part that came along with this news, was the day after, on, on D, December 4th, D4, a.k.a. Dragon Age Day, which really I, I don't think is as catchy as November 7th for no. N7 Day, but, you know, we, we take what we can get. <laughs> um, the uh, Bioware writers from Bioware put out four short stories that are all kind of these they're little individual stories within the dragon age universe but like in press releases that you and i both got uh they straight up said like this is intended to lay the ground for what we're doing in the next dragon age and expect to see more at the game awards uh which is coming up this week um so that's number one that's nice um i think dragon age itself has kind of a history with the game awards so mm-hmm. to see them rolling with something god willing it'll be something with some like meat on the bone you know i'm hoping for like a storied cinematic trailer with like actual mm-hmm. characters talking and stuff because i think we've been getting a lot of the traditional bioware tease of developers talking about the grand adventure they're going to set out before us and how they've listened and learned and all that kind of stuff while Mm. concept art flashes in the background and i'm good like i i want to know like i want some like firm details here a name would be excellent um Mm. like i that would instill a lot more confidence in me for what they're doing because as it is right now um like you said, we still don't know a lot about this Dragon Age. We're having yeah. to infer a lot from concept art and videos and stuff and, and 25th anniversary books. So, like, right. a confident showing on Thursday might ease my mind a little bit more. Yeah. I think my, my I think we'll get, like, a cinematic trailer that's, like, a couple characters that, like, maybe 
like I feel like they would need to like lean on on characters that we actually know. Like it can't just be some fucking randos. It's like maybe some Lysolus and Dorian, and just kind of like kind of tone fitting. Like like mm-hmm. did you? I don't remember. Do you remember the original Inquisition reveal trailer? I'd have to go back and watch it. No, it, it was just like a, a cinematic with like Varric, Cassandra, and Morgan that just was like, oh, you know, we're oh, working on the oh, thing, but and like they yes. leaned in very specifically into characters that were identifiable, and um, I think that's something that like even with that uh that behind the scenes thing they showed at Gamescom, like the the moments that people talk about were like when we saw Solus and we saw mm-hmm. somebody who appears to be Dorian. Um, so I I think Solus is a shoe in because that's yeah. like he is the presumptive antagonist of the the series moving forward and um not to get ahead of ourselves or anything um that's i mean that's kind of all out in the open at this point i've run like multiple articles with solace as the the main image so Mm -hmm. um but also the um like, like just having some sort of thing like i like the idea of seeing Dorian or like Zevrin or something like that like just showing you know cut to them and be like but there are people working within Tevinter to change mm. it and like show them like doing some cool magic shit or whatever like stabbing somebody all that like you know just something like that but also like some new characters would be cool you know everybody likes that new character where they can be like oh I'm gonna romance that person and all that mm. like just give me give me a really strong cinematic story trailer that's super cheesy as soulless talking over the top of it and ominous tones and big swelling music and remix <laughs> of the dawn will come and all that and i'm just really really just gun for that and and i think you'll you'll get me at least yep. <laughs> um so that was all the fun stuff that happened around dragon yeah. age day and bioware day and all that but and something else happened. <laughs> mm. um, and I'm going to pull up a friend of the show. Uh, Natalie Flores wrote this excellent article about everything that happened. Um, uh, listeners of the show might remember when we did our colon episode a while back. We, we specifically mentioned uh, Greg Ellis, who is the voice actor of Colin Rutherford in Dragon Age Inquisition. Uh, and how he's kind of had a history of being a dick <laughs> like that's the best way of putting it um this this dude has sucked and has sucked for a while and there have been people who have you know reached out and and you know added bioware on twitter and been like hey uh, this this guy's sharing some stuff on twitter that isn't very like becoming of of what bioware games usually stand for it's not very inclusive and all that um you know like what's up with this and mark dara in previous times they responded with like hey you know it's where we are bioware you know what we stand for i think our future voice actor castings will speak for themselves in terms of that um in terms of how we how we stand and how we feel about these things uh once dara now he was leaving greg ellis came at this dude who was like got rid of this guy finally haha it's as I quote, uh, never worked with a more disloyal, duplicitous corporate fake. Your enforced resignation is a victory for Bioware. 
And Dara responded with, oh, mask off, huh? Okay. Mm. <laughs> um, he's like, I've been letting you slide for a while, but I think Dragon Age Day is maybe the day when that ends. Is there some world where you imagine that your behavior with regards to me and the community, this is Mark Dara speaking, in general would actually cause you to ever be hired on a Dragon Age game? I'm not sure if this is performative in some way in order to get the attention of a different group, but it certainly isn't going to endear you to a company that cares about its public appearance. Um yeah there's multiple times over the past when he's just said bad things and all that um and then we get the real whammy (laughs) (laughs) ellis posts a since uh i I believe was it deleted or private such a private private. um youtube video as colin addressing his fans who he calls colonites i believe the video is called a special message from dragon ages colon rutherford so keep in mind this is a dude responding to all this stuff in character as the character he voiced for bioware games and folks this shit went places (laughs) um at multiple points he talks about cancel culture i mean so here again i'm quoting from natalie's article um, Cullen informs his fans that a small vocal mob of social justice warriors attempted to have me and my voice actor Craig <laughs> tossed into the cancel culture wasteland. Oh my god. This is my response to the mob's inquisition of me and my voice actor Craig Ellis and how we attempted to understand the resultant blight it spread across the fact that he re- he refers to himself <laughs> i can't get over that part and then he uses like dragon age terms to like really tug at those heartstrings and this is a 37 minute video where he goes into stuff like he gets into some of the like the the black lives matter protests that have happened and like into like he's he's got a weird campaign about johnny depp and the the allegations against johnny depp for some reason colin rutherford seems to care a lot about uh real world person johnny depp (laughs) and um there are moments where he says things like manifest and will manifest (laughs) It's, it's 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 a lot um so um obviously um yeah other noteworthy lines from the video uh consist of uh stuff about the me too movement and the intellectual glitterati (laughs) um (laughs) yeah the manifest is filling up the woman manifest is filling up too dude what do you think the word manifest is (laughs) um stuff about virtue signaling and black lives matter um mobbing is social murder and by definition people cannot survive their own murder uh, <laughs> astute observations oh um so obviously this this video has now disappeared into the youtube ether um and we haven't I, i've not seen any public statement from bioware on the fact i imagine that's going to get settled uh behind the scenes but mm-hmm god ken for a couple hours on a friday evening this was the greatest implosion i have ever seen (laughs) this this was just someone destroying any chance they ever had of returning to voice a character or be a person in this series i mean personally this is me personally speaking 
I think there's no possible way we see mm. uh, him return as a voice in four, no. whether Cullen is there or not. Not a chance. Uh, it would be a shame if this ends up spiking the character of Cullen, because as we are going to get to, um, especially in Trespasser, uh, Cullen's a really cool character, and mm. it'd be interesting. Like I, and I, I wish I had a, a source on this, but I think it was uh, Mark Dara said something about um, they don't like fooling around with characters that can have like mini quantum states. I think was how he he worded it. I'm I'm gonna gonna look um, he, oh, he actually specified that. That's why I was going to send it to you. Um, yeah, okay. Here it is. I've, I've got the tweet pulled up. Um, this is from December 4th. Uh, our default stance is from Mark Dara. Our default stance is to try not to reuse quantum characters. That is, characters who can be in a lot of different states after a previous game, parentheses, especially if they might be dead. We did it with with Leliana, but I think that had something to do with Mike Laidlaw's stance on redheads. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I think I think the implication there, especially since he was tweeting it at uh, evening time on Dragon Age Day, um, you know, read into that what you will. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it does make sense. I think there are some characters like anders comes to mind that mm-hmm. we just did not get to see any of in dragon age inquisition because obviously that character could be in wildly different states yeah. depending on decisions you've made uh whereas like other characters you know maybe meryl is a little bit easier because i don't think there's a way to no there is a way to kill meryl actually yeah. isn't there mm. uh, that's mm, i don't know if that holds up just because like maybe not mm. Because like, I mean, they, they do use characters again. Like, even, like, if they don't... Like, even if they could possibly be in various states, they'll make, like, a decision. And if, I guess maybe less than the Zevran games... can come back, but... Like, maybe I, less than the games, or, like, in the books and the comics, they, like, go out of their way to use characters that are familiar, regardless yeah. of where they might be in a well, new in Inquisition, you see this because... We'll talk more about this once we get to Trespasser, but, like... I think the general states in which characters can be are less varied to some extent. It's like more like what their personal state is like and less, you know, whether they are alive or dead. Mm. And Yeah, because nobody I can think, die in Inquisition. Uh Oh, in Inquisition. No, okay, I was thinking of Trespasser. They can leave, but they can't die. Right. I was thinking of Trespasser where characters can die. Um Yeah. Yeah, there are several characters that can die either during or at the end of Trespasser. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, I, I think that makes sense. But uh, as we will talk yeah. about, I mean, I think we talked about it in the spoiler section of the Colin episode as well. But Colin, the character, can have some pretty drastically different states, mm. as it were, at the yeah. end of Trespasser. Uh, but I would also, I don't really, not that I don't believe that the epilogues in these games happen, but I also think that they are vague enough in terms of like when that they can play around them a little bit but oh, they also ab- like absolutely yeah yeah but also like the origins uh epilogue was made non-canon and so like i don't know like i like on an isolated level i feel one way about the epilogues in terms of how they relate to the game of dragon age Inquisition, but i'm not sure i hold them to very high regard and guard in, in terms of like how they're gonna factor into the series as it goes on 
I mean, there's there's also the thing to consider of like how Bioware has handled this before. We're like, okay, so Thane was a character that can die in Mass Effect 2, obviously. But Thane, if you have him alive in Mass Effect 3, ends up playing a notably significant role. Same with Rex, mm. where yeah. maybe they have some sort of stand-in character that can serve as the other one. I think actually the way they handled Thane in Mass Effect 3 was really interesting, where they bring in the, um, I suddenly forgot his name, the... Kirhi. Uh, Kir- Kirhi. Kirhi. Um, and that's assuming he even is alive by that point too right right. and and i think in that case if he's not alive then somebody else is in that place no you lose the flaring counselor oh you just lose the flaring counselor see that's that's a way that they've shown that they can do that before that they can work around all those different i I like the phrase quantum states it's a cool it's a nerdy (laughs) way of describing it i like that um but i think at least in terms of uh, Mr. Ellis's involvement, he won't uh, he won't be around mm. to see any of that because he will no. be not involved with it. That's my hot take. <laughs> that's my personal I, I think that's assessment. fairly certain at this point. <laughs> um, man, folks, just <laughs> my advice used to be don't tweet, but I guess that doesn't encompass don't make thirty seven minute YouTube videos in the character of a character you've previously voiced calling for, uh social justice warriors to stop <laughs> mobbing you and please don't refer to yourself in the third person ever if you are voicing said character because <laughs> that's still the funniest damn thing to me <laughs> <laughs> um oh what a, what a week um how about we talk about some dragon age cats sure <laughs> we gotta get to doom upon all the world which is the final quest in dragon age this is the final war table one which thankfully costs zero power to go to so i did not have to grind power mm. at the very end to, to get I, to this mission i realized after i finished that trespasser does cost power so i had to go like close some rest uh, or something oh <laughs> i guess i have some dragon age playtime ahead of me then uh or maybe i'll just mod the game uh so we we start uh doom upon all the world by I, I mean, I like the way they handled it, that you basically have to go to the table and, and select the quest, and it gives you, like, multiple warnings, like, hey, once you do this, stuff is going to change. If you are worried about that, maybe don't do that yet. Like, mm. um, And uh, it, it's worth noting here, because we did Cole's personal quest, uh, we don't have an issue here, but if you had not completed cole's personal quest at this point you would not be able to put him in your active party ag- against corypheus um and i actually does anything happen at this point like does he take off or anything if you're about to do the final fight or does he just like stay behind i've actually never actually done that yeah he just stayed behind. like i i, okay. I think um because well, I, I my very very first playthrough this uh, his quest glitched out for me so i wasn't able to complete it it's so, like he stays mm-hmm. behind, but then, like, when there's a competition after, like, where everyone's kind of, like, huddled around, like, oh, we won, and he, like, makes a comment, like, oh, I couldn't help because this happened, so. Oh, okay. Um, so we head into the war room, Skyhold, we're hanging out, we're talking, we're like, okay, Morgan's got the power, you know, it's kind of ambiguous what that power is, but we're like, Morgan's got the power to fight the dragon, we're good there. She, she, says, she says that she can match the dragon's power yes uh i i like that it's left ambiguous though because it it leads it makes to a good a reveal moment. yeah yeah <laughs> it leads to a good moment um 
we also uh you know we're, we're kind of doing an assessment okay so we gotta you know find out where Corypheus is we gotta all, all, all our forces are still uh, pretty deep into the Arbor Wilds, uh, you know, so we've got a lot of soldiers we got to move around. And all of a sudden, in the background, which again, we talked uh, in Mass Effect 3 in the Citadel DLC, how Bioware was getting good at like timing things in cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was one of those moments where it was really good, where you're all talking and all of a sudden the breach opens up and <laughs> you can see it through one of the windows and everyone's like, oh or he's right there <laughs> mm. and, uh, and then the mark starts acting up uh-huh yeah and and you're just kind of like oh well he's in the valley of the sacred ashes i guess you know back where this all began and uh you know cullen says straight up he's like hey uh our forces are still in the arbor wilds we will not be able to get anyone there fast enough for you to deal with it but the breach is opening fast and it's kind of a we need to deal with this right now sort of situation so mm-hmm. um we we roll in there and there's Corypheus. he's he's you know hating on the inquisition soldiers you know bow to me and all that um and then we show up ken i'm just gonna start off with it man Corypheus is a bummer of a villain i like i this was the point where i got here and i was like okay final battle we're finally gonna fight corypheus i'd gone around and talked to all my companions they're all like are you ready to fight corypheus are you prepared to fight corypheus and i got here and he was doing his whole like bow to me i'm the god king of this world now and i was like man this dude sucks (laughs) (laughs) we know so little about his motivations other than that he's just a dude that came back from being asleep and he was really pissed off and now he's kind of dark spawn kind of to venter magister a little bit of both he's got an orb and he wants to be god and that's about it like maybe it was because uh calpurnia had such an interesting mm-hmm. motivation behind her and all that the week before but i was just sitting here like man corypheus is such a cartoon character of a villain <laughs> mm. so you'll have to remind me what is your inquisitor's relationship with religion and gods and why because uh, I, I think I at sh- this point like you're able to kind of you start the conversation like under a certain understanding of what your character mm-hmm. uh believes and like it's actually represented in dialogue options mm-hmm. so um yeah yeah where are you at uh i i got that wheel i know what you're talking about um and my my answer was like it it was like 50 percent of the answer i wanted to give which is basically you know he's there and he's like you came here because you want the power of the gods for yourself and you can kind of confront him and you can be like you know you don't deserve it i deserve it or whatever i'm going to protect the people or you can be like it's mine i'll be a god you can be like i don't believe in god or or like faith or i don't believe in any of this you know mumbo jumbo or you can pick like i'm not here because of that which is what i chose and they pretty much said what i wanted my inquisitor to say which was like i'm not here to become a god but i wanted them to follow up with like i'm here to kick your ass (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of what my whole thing has been which is just like this dude is causing chaos and hurting innocent people and that's all my inquisitor really cares about is like this dude clearly needs to be stopped and no one else is doing it so i'm gonna have to be the one that steps up to do it um but 
when it's come to faith i think because i'm an elf inquisitor that adds an interesting like tinge to it and i've usually answered as though you know like my character has followed the dalish uh practices and all that so mm. but it didn't from what i remember when i played this section i thought i remember thinking it was weird that i wasn't given some sort of like dalish option i guess because at this point given what we have learned at the temple of Mithal and kind of about Mithal and the gods in general that like maybe that stuff is not what we thought it was um that's kind of reflected in that i i'm not really talking about the maker or andraste specifically this time but it's just kind of like the gods in general like the higher beings and otherworldly parts of this world um, i know you are specifically like fuck the church <laughs> mm. yeah and so that was i don't know if, like I, I agree with you that Corpheus as like a, an individual like a person like with the like as a character rather i guess um is a is, is a fucking nothing dude like he has like his existence is like more of something that everyone has to deal with ramifications of rather than anything that he believes or thinks about himself um like with Dorian, like, I mean, like, oh, no, the Taventer, uh, did do the thing that everyone says that we, that we did, um, and Solus is his other thing, but, like, what I find compelling about him, not necessarily as a person, but just, like, as an idea that I have to fight, um, is coming up to, like, this guy that is talking about, like, his, like, reclaiming his godhood, and, you know, insisting that, like, you know, all your gods are dead, and that you, if I'm a character that has been consistent about that throughout the entire game, I can go up to him and say, I don't believe in gods. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, you know, it's like literally one line, like one sentence, but it is like a very strong culmination of my character in a way that I really appreciated that um, I've basically been a very, in the, amidst, in the midst of everything that happens in Inquisition, I've been, like, my character's been very grounded and his insistence that he wants out of all this, like, that he feels like he's been dragged into something and, like, being... Like, having things projected onto him about, like, what what his existence means that I'm not that he's not down with. And, like, he is just face-to-face with this person that is proclaiming it. Like, one final time, somebody being like, your gods are dead and you can't stop me. And I'm just kind of like, that's, that's my moment to be like, actually, I'm just here to kill you on my own terms. I don't give a shit about your delusions of grandeur, what everyone thinks that I'm here for, what everyone, like, fears that you might be. And I'm just here to, like, lay you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the idea that we can kind of just pull that on him and be like, nah, dude, I'm just here to kick your ass. Like, yeah. that's, that's very simple. Um, and uh, as the action begins to start, the, the dragon emerges, his red lyrium dragons uh, uh, emerges. And uh, for both of us, because we made these choices, uh, Morrigan in dragon form roars out to fight the red lyrium dragon, which just unequivocally owns i remember mm. the, like the first time i played this i was like kind of confused at first because i was like wait since when did we have a dragon i was like oh wait didn't wasn't flemeth a dragon in origins mm-hmm. and can't like morgan was a shapeshifter in origins like she could turn into a spider and stuff like that and i like clicked like everything yeah. just kind of clicked in my brain and i was like oh, morgan's a dragon excellent mm. like that's that's good that's very good I'm a big fan of that. Um, more of Morrigan turning into awesome creatures and back, like, please. <laughs> um, but anyways, that happens. That's really cool. And then we start fighting him. And uh, we kind of fight him a bunch of times. 
Uh, mm. We do, you know, we fight him in one place, and he summons some some baddies to help him, and he does things that I guess ostensibly do damage. And then he moves up after we take off enough of his health, and we get a supply cache, and we move on up, and we fight him there. And uh, yeah, it's a Can remarkably like unremarkable his, like his moves aren't even interesting like he kind of just teleported around a lot for me and then every once in a while he would use this laser beam attack that like did damage if i got hit by it too much but usually i was moving too fast for it to do too much damage to me and yeah um yeah and, and, um... and the the frustrating thing was like i was i was like level i think 16 maybe like my main inquisitor was 17 and the rest were 16 and and the recommended level for this mission was like 16 to 19 so i think he was like a level 18 or 19 character um but it didn't feel like he could kill me specifically um and honestly like i just kind of sat there hitting him until he died and yeah and the, maybe the more frustrating part like let's 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 skip through this real quick so i guess we can talk about holistically but like um after a bit of after two fights with corypheus um more it, it cuts to a scene of morgan dragon and corypheus's dragon fighting and morgan gets pretty injured mm-hmm. uh but like injures the red lyrian dragon a lot as well and then the dragon crashes down in front of us with 50 percent health and we have to kind of end the dragon ourselves um which is just kind of a standard dragon fight like yeah and and like really standard like i think it was pretty similar to the one in the hinterlands because that was one of the few i think it was identical like yeah yeah uh which the other dragons in this game i will like go ahead and say like there are other boss battles in this game that are completely optional and they are much more interesting than what's going on here Mm -hmm. um Whereas like this, this red, this red layer of dragon is just kind of like, I, I just ended up hitting his legs the whole time and, and just yeah. killing him eventually. Yeah. It was the part where I remember that I had a, what's, what's the name of that? Uh, like we use the mark to like open up a rift. Oh yeah. It's, it's like the rift or something. Or yeah, like it was like one of it was one moments where like, I remember that I had that and could kind of like use it to end this fairly oh, quickly. It did so much damage. Like what's I, I had recently gotten the thing that gave me an extra bar of focus so i I could pop two of them mm. and that plus my my team that i brought was oh and i forgot i needed to remember to tell you this so my my team for this final fight was cassandra as as the tank um myself obviously and then my two backup mages because i've kind of been generally running like myself a tank and then two mages uh i took vivian and dorian and the way I've built Dorian is I purposely put like no armor on the dude because he has the thing that lets him just keep coming back after he dies to cast spells. So it's literally my strategy to just have him die and then he just lives forever as a ghost in the fights. And it's the dumbest thing in the world because the whole fight they're just yelling like, help Dor- Dorian, Dorian's down. Oh my god, you gotta help Dorian. And he's just standing there as a ghost just like throwing out all these spells and stuff. And I'm like, I, I just think that's like this dude, his his strat is to run into a fight, 
in in my head canon he pretends to get knocked out and then just keeps getting back up shooting a spell off and then getting back <laughs> on the ground <laughs> like just mind gaming it but yeah no so that that fight that went really quick and then we have one more corypheus fight after that uh which is really just more of the same and that's it and yeah and we win and then we well i mean there oh, is I mean, a, so there we, is a cutscene. Like I mean, we, we we acquire the orb, we steal the orb from Corypheus and and shoot shoot a magic beam into the breach uh to close the hole. You know, we we beam the hole and then uh we like zap Corypheus into the fade, I guess. There was a hole during this cutscene where I was like how does my inquisitor know how to do any of this because my inquisitor Mm. is just some dalish hunter that was in the wrong place at the wrong time and now they like know how to shoot laser beams out of orbs and how to send people into the fade and shit we've had the mark long enough i think i guess to kind of like know how to manipulate things around us i suppose Mm. but yeah so we send corypheus into the fade um and then i mean so let's let's cut it there before we get to what's next but how how did you feel about this big climactic battle with corypheus and the dragon so have you have you gone to read the uh the dragon age sections of uh the bioware book the 25th anniversary one not yet i've not gone there i've started okay. working my way through mass effect so i was i was reading through them and based on like what what i said like the sort of uh, final hour of this game is half basically half-baked and they're aware of it and like it just it was the nature of the way they uh worked on the game that's like the end generally comes together fairly quickly um Mm -hmm. and like i guess closer to uh when they gotta ship it so they were kind of like aware that um it wasn't what it needed to be and i don't think i think that extends far like beyond corypheus i think like the actual ending of the game is not super great and i think it and it, whether some of that's intentional or not like because it's leading into something um that's you know that's all another conversation but i just it, generally yeah like the end of this game does not feel as fleshed out and like it doesn't feel as meaty as it needs to like there's no final mission like there's no real like corypheus is just there and we go fuck him up and there's not really like much of a challenge there at all uh so like yeah it's like a fairly forgettable section of a game that is full of like these very like stellar moments uh mm-hmm. you know that we had like you know, even like the past two story missions like um wicked eyes wicked hearts and well pride rock were like very like you know substantial like very significant points in this game and even like in the dragon universe at large where corypheus feels like we had to fight him so he wouldn't so like it's so, like just, like basically just to like wrap that up like it didn't feel like there was that sense of like weight and urgency to the moment that you know usually is around for a lot of like the final sections of these games right, um right cuz like even if i had my issues with the way the dragon is too wrapped up like that was a mission in and of itself like there was there was stuff happening um i think the gold standard yeah. for me is honestly origins like that last fight in origins yeah. where you're you're fighting in the city and you're calling in all these different forces and like also you have to split your party and then the party mm-hmm. that you split off is like defending the gates behind you and all that like that was a really cool mission that yeah. uh i they haven't really captured that sort of thing again it's the thing i think about all the time when i think about the really good parts of origins like that was just a really yeah. cool thing that they did and I or was at least not of... like 
It's kind of bummed we didn't have that here because it yeah, seems like they could have been so yeah. set up for it. Yeah, it's like generally final missions and like final sections of Bioware games are not like it just feels like it goes out with a whimper. Like compared to like mm-hmm. even everything that we like everything that we talked about on this show, like Mass Effect one through Andromeda, like all oh, of those yeah. Yeah. had like these really standout final missions where it feels like Corypheus gets tacked on to the end of the game in a way mm-hmm. that just feels anticlimactic and yeah, the, you know, the actual like yeah. him and his dragon versus your party and morgan and and you're just yeah. fighting like the coolest part is the floating city part and that's yeah. really about it yeah like i mean and you know it's easy like it's easy to like armchair game design i'm just like imagine it's like there was a mission of like getting back to uh the inner sacred ashes and like actually getting to that point because that was you know that was the place we went to at the very beginning and like if, imagine like you kind of like have this sort of like recontextualization of an environment that you've already been through and mm-hmm. you know like and you know that is again that's very easy for us to say like i mean i'm sure that they wanted to have something back that was through haven like that would have been a cool moment is to like go back through haven and kind of trace your steps back from where you started and yeah and you would have had to see all that again maybe like you have to set up a forward camp at haven and you set out from there but then corypheus's forces attack while you're out and so the party members that you leave behind now have to defend the camp like call back to origin yeah like, something yeah. like that yeah and, and again like th- this is all like they the fact that they addressed it in the book like cl- clearly they knew like th- this was not the form they wanted this ending to take this you know mm-hmm. the nature of game game development mean, meant that they had to you know make changes and concessions where they had to so mm-hmm. yeah and and to be fair like i think once we get pat ironically once we get past corypheus i think it gets better because then we get into the standard bioware stuff of okay well we have this one quick cutscene of you know solace walks up and observes the orb as it's shattered he makes a comment like it was a waste and every it did not go as as it was supposed to and all that and we we stumble upon him like this and we're like hey you know like what's going on you know we <laughs> there's a really funny thing where you can be like we can fix it and i imagine my inquisitor just being a total like just moron and being like yo we could glue it back together <laughs> like, mm. i got some back at the base you know we got a lot of crafting materials but um and, and he's just kind of like look whatever happens next i respect you yeah and then you you turn around to see the party and soul kind of follows you and like hangs in the in the in this archway very forebodingly and then when you turn back to look at him he's gone uh yeah. and from that point forward solace is gone so yeah. if, if you play again after the credits roll like it puts you into kind of the post-game scenario no more solace solace is gone yeah. um for reasons we will be getting to in just a short minute here but yeah. um um that it's, that's a good moment i think personally for yeah. me it's it's like this very good ominous foreshadowing yeah where i remember the first time i was playing i was like what do you mean solace what do you you up to like even when you talk to him before the mission he, he i think we talked about this during what pride had wrought but like he's very much you know he, he's saying some things and your inquisitor can be like you know this isn't goodbye right and he's just like yeah well i just figured it would be best if i said my goodbyes you know if anything happened haha <laughs> mm. um it's all this very good foreshadowing to what's about to be revealed um yeah and then we have a big party a big old feast yeah we like we are coming to like a hero's welcome of like the entire like all the inquisition like cheering for us and then we walk up like you know walk up the stairs of skyhold like and everyone gazes upon our glory and like i 
if you're romance and Josie, I don't know if like it would have done the same thing, but like there's like a, a very specific shot where like Dorian like smiles proudly at me while I'm up there, but um, Josie oh, so, would have been up top with you, so I don't know if it would have done that. So in mine, like so in yours, the inquis the the advisors like greet you on the steps, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in mine, uh the two of them like you know gave me recognition or whatever and then josie just like ran forward and hugged my character and oh it's like very sweet i liked it a lot um honestly like that is one thing i've been impressed with is the way they handled josie's romance in this and and the way it played out like worked out very well for me that character has definitely come like full circle for me mm-hmm. um very good character um but yeah we do that and we head inside and can I, I do want to air one grievance here mm. all the little all the little sides we have with characters here are very good they're very nice um we can talk about the specifics in a moment but i do want to call out when we went to fight corypheus when when the the city starts a and all that we see a shot of scout harding being thrown from mm-hmm. the city and kind of looking up as it rises into the air first of all uh they don't really explain why scout harding is there at all to begin with because the implication is kind of like you know your forces would be in the arbor wilds why is scout harding still there um but also the only character that i noticed that was like a major name character well i guess so krem was not in the final banquet and neither was scout harding and there are Mm. other named characters that were also not there that i'm sure other people would be bummed about but the only people that you can talk to in this section are like your party members and the advisors and that was a bummer because scout harding rules and mm. yeah i i <laughs> imagine that they, has been aired <laughs> I, would say, I imagine they at least have if you're like you're in the like the post game area to like talk um talk to them oh, a little bit yeah. like get some sort yeah. Of, yeah um but i did notice in that post uh post game section i think you're kind of like locked into a world or like a relationship state in that point because like mm. I can talk to Dorian but I can't like have a conversation with him um not that I had any intention of like breaking up with Dorian but like just like it occurred to me like there were just I, I don't know how I, I didn't really hang around to figure it out but I think when you are in that post game state they kind of block they, off they say that's it yeah whoever you love is who you love mm. hmm hmm interesting interesting yeah. anyway uh, yeah so i like all the the conversations we have here um mm. i i went along and, and they were all pretty uh, oh also so i gotta mention real quick i i did have the sarah talk about the um the the temple of Mythal and all that mm-hmm. i beefed with sarah a bit mm. <laughs> i was like you're gloating like you are enjoying this too much and i was like you know i tried to be like but what if there is some truth to the things we learned and she was just like oh no oh and i was like sarah you uh like i, I love you but you gotta like cope with some shit mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's she was still all happy and cheery at the the banquet and all that but i kind of just wanted to tell her like hey look um if you want to keep hanging around the inquisition like you kind of got to get ready to deal with the fact that we're like murdering demons and stuff and not mm. just be like oh no none of that exists oh it's like no this is what we're doing now this is the mm. world now sarah <laughs> mm. uh, but but all of them were very good i liked uh like blackwalls stood out to me um blackwall had a good little uh coda to his story and all that um 
bull as always fantastic um we'll address one very specific thing i guess when when we get to the end of the companions that we have to talk to because it plays into my epilogue but uh how how is your stuff uh yeah i mean like they are generally like because something i guess that stuck out to me was like the, the general sense that everyone plans to stick around like everyone's kind yeah. of like like and you know that maybe that is a reference to like trespasser and like what is coming and and the fact that like you know in the post game everyone's still gonna be around Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt very like it felt more tangible than that to me. Like it felt very much like the characters feeling like there was more to come for all of them in mm-hmm. a more like not ex- like not expressly video game way of like we are going to allow them to be here for you to do all the post game content, but more like that they thought something was still coming for all of them. Like there was still a place for them all here. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, that might that might be like referencing the fact that Trespasser is going to be like two years later, and they're all still going to be in contact and still there, and still like part of this. Um, but the, the you know the one that is the most significant was the Dorian one, which uh, follows up on the conversation that I had with him after uh, Friday Rock, which yeah. was, yeah, I would like for you to stay, and then so he um, he he uh, like he goes on this like kind of like dramatic. Uh, monologue of like how oh if we had died the songs that would have been sung it would have been great and then he um kind of ends on like well, i guess we'll just have to be content with being alive and together and he's then he's like I'm, i decided i'm gonna stay and i'm like so you're you're okay with like leaving to mentor and he says there's no you in to mentor so what else matters and i was like okay yeah like even even my dialogue with dorian was very nice where he's he tells me that he's gonna stay too even though i'd been encouraging him to go and and he was basically like um you know Tevinter doesn't have my best and only friend or something mm. like that and i was like oh dorian no Aww. like oh, good character good character yeah. better be back in dragon age for <laughs> <laughs> um josie didn't have romance dialogue in that part really it was weird yeah she does her whole bit about like being panicked about everything being yep. right um which I got a little bit more out of that from Liliana. I think she makes a reference like she wanted everything to be right for me or whatever. But um, mm. I was surprised that Josie specifically did not have dialogue in that part. It's kind of weird. But mm. um, Ken, the last character I talked to was Cassandra. Mm-hmm. And this is the part where I realized that a certain decision had been locked in despite the choices I had made. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so... Um, do we want to talk about this now or wait till the epilogue talk? We talking about the divine? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll hold that until the epilogue. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, after this, all we do is we talk to everybody. Everybody has very nice things to say. Um, it's, it's all sweet and happy. And, and we go to our quarters and whoever we have romanced kind of meets us there as like, let's go. Um, and you watch the sunrise together, which I thought was a very sweet way to end the game. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, that, that that was a nice little ending. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, it it's it always been a weird. The, it mm-hmm. didn't have the bravado. It didn't have like the yeah. big resounding ends. You know, it wasn't like Mass Effect two or anything like that. But right. I think, despite Corypheus not being the big bad and the big fight that we would have wanted, I think ending on the note it did was a nice way to do it. Like, yeah, I just enjoyed the way that games like that end so right like it is it, nice to have like kind of an understated quiet moment instead of that um even if it does like 
it's one of the things like in retrospect just seems weird to me like because there's a part of me that feels like if that had been the actual end of the game maybe i would be chill with like leaving the inquisitor behind Hmm. just because it feels like at that point feels more tied off in a way that trespasser dust doesn't i guess is what i'm comparing it to because like it's more like what is the base game ending what versus what is the actual ending and you know maybe that's just they left it on that note knowing that they were going to be doing something going forward and yeah like it is a nice moment but as an ending to a video game it is strange in retrospect i guess yeah i yeah i i I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I like it. It yeah. was sweet. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, I don't know what the, the Josie line is, but like when Dorian gets in there, he's like, well, first of all, just see, like, you know, clearly just like doesn't want to like acknowledge that, oh, there's like a deep conversation to be had. He's like, first of all, you're super dull and I hate you. And then like mm. you walk to the walk off to the balcony and he's like, anything else? And he's just like, I hope this ends soon. Like I have this sort of like state of the world and everything they have to deal with. Mm. So. Yeah, Josie references like um, the the sun, the festivities are ending now that the sun is finally coming up, and um, and she looks at it and she's like, I don't think I've ever seen anything more gorgeous. And I, and you have the opportunity to be like, well, I'm I'm looking at something that's more gorgeous, and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's sweet, and that's how it ends. It's like, like Josie's definitely like that fairy tale yeah. romance, um, and it plays into that a lot. But it is sweet. It's very nice. Um, so then we now we get our epilogues we gotta go into the epilogues now um we both had the same one for orlay which was uh celine is alive but it's hinted that uh gaspard has kind of learned from his mistakes uh and also briala is leading an uprising and it left with a note that was like uh you know Celine has the Inquisition as an ally and many are saying that's the only reason she's like still in power and and not you know like off the throne oh I had the the one about uh Brielle and Celine being reunited oh oh god right because you took that ending right yes for some reason I thought you had done the all three I did the all three you did Briella and Celine my bad yeah so it was and that one was a little bit more optimistic I guess (laughs) uh yeah mostly it's just like um there is peace right now um and that uh celine is you know this figurehead for you know more or less a figurehead for something uh maybe deeper that involves uh briala and like a lot of people they seem to be like known as a like the implication of a lot of that stuff uh back during the mission was that it had to be a secret but they seem to be Mm -hmm. like a known quantity which is cool yeah i mean at some point you just become powerful enough that you're like yeah y'all know (laughs) um and then so the next the one after that is the divine election Mm, and i knew about my result because i talked to cassandra before i I thought divine was after that you skipped the gray wardens no for me it went for me it went uh orlay divine gray wardens and then templar slash mages Oh, that's weird. I don't know why it's in different orders. Oh, yeah. well, we can do Grey Wardens. We can do Grey well, Wardens. I, mean, I, I, would just, I was just going through the, uh, the wiki. I mean, we, we had the same result, right, for Grey yeah. Wardens, yeah. Um, which is just that they stuck around. They helped rebuild. Uh, there are rumors 
of the adamants uh gray wardens like severing ties from weishaupt and there's kind of an ominous note left there where it's like hawk uh had gone to weishaupt and has not been heard from since and it's kind of left on like that either means that there's a battle raging on there or something more similar so i was yeah, not um... sure i think that's just laying some tracks for the next dragon age because i forget mm. where that is on the map i might have to look at a thetis map to remember mm. well i mean i'm I, doing that right now don't worry for hawk specifically i know that that's that's fake because hawk is part of an epilogue and trespasser so mm. yeah doing the dragon age thing of just saying things yeah, it was weird because I was like, I don't remember that from when I played Trespasser, but so it's in the southern Anderfells. That didn't help me at all. <laughs> I'm gonna look back at a map now. Let's find the Anderfells. Uh, okay, so the Anderfells. Uh, so as those who have played dragon age know this like southern thetis is like ferelden and orlay right uh ferelden mm-hmm. to the east orlay to the west then up north we have like the body of water that separates ferelden from the free marches and then uh to the west of that is navara and up north of that leading into the ocean is the tevinter Imperium, which across the ocean is saharan and then further north into the east is parvalen to the west and north so basically as far northwest as you can go on the map of thetis is the anderfels so weishaupt is up there so that is where all that stuff is going down we figured it out (laughs) um so that's how that ended now can we talk about the divine I mean, actually, uh, real real quick, let's let's do our Mage Templar stuff. Um, okay. For for you, what was your Mage outcome? Um, so that is both dependent on you know how you do shit, and also who is named divine. Mm-hmm. So, for me, well, Liliana is divine. <laughs> do what? I said, damn, I screwed it all up. <laughs> uh, do you want to go? Okay, let's just go to the divine. Let's, Fine, let's, let's do divine. You talk. You you had Liliana as divine. Yeah. And she is steeled, thus she is, like, mm-hmm. a badass while also being a divine. And it just, like, really seems like the perfect outcome. She opens the chantry up to other uh, other races and genders and just kind of, like, makes it, like, open to everybody. And that just, you know, seems real progressive, seems, like, real forward-thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, well, that, that's not about the mages here, which we'll get into later. Um, and that... There, because you know the the chantry is by nature a very regressive thing. Um, Liliana's just like nah, and uses her uh, connections and her her like spy network to basically be like, I am going to uh, choke out any sort of uh, people that are against like any sort of rebellion that's going on. Um, so she's just vibing she's just trying to like make the the chantry this like inclusive place that has traditionally not been by any means necessary just doing the Liliana stuff man yeah 
uh i cassandra as divine not sure how that happens so uh, let's talk i specifically well, told leliana that i supported her as divine and so, i had no conversation with with cassandra about even becoming divine right um yeah so we should let's let's pull up the uh, the I've divine got, election because like i've got the wiki pulled up and this shit looks like I, I don't even know the the flow chart for this i can't even imagine what it so, what it looks so the like. idea for anyone listening is that the choices you make throughout inquisition basically establish the world to be one way or another and uh basically like depending on the choices you make you are given giving points in the background to one mm. of three people to be named divine which is liliana cassandra or vivian uh so Ultimately, like, you can support a character, but that only gives them a certain amount of points extra. It doesn't yes. lock them into one thing or another. So so let's start there, okay? So for Cassandra and Vivian, there is a war table operation that you can undertake. And there are point values to this. There are actual point values to this. There are... Uh, if you do a war table operation for Cassandra or Vivian, you will give them 10 points towards Divine. There is no war table operation for Leliana, for whatever reason. I don't know. Favoritism, I guess? I have no idea. <laughs> we, we scroll on down to major choices. Champions of the Just, if we choose them to serve us, which I did, choose the Templars to serve us, that bumps Cassandra up 5 and Leliana up 1. Okay, Cassandra's in the lead for me. Uh, if Celine is alive and there's a public truce between all three, Cassandra plus one. Okay, so Cassandra's at six, Leliana plus one. We're doing the math here on this podcast, Ken. <laughs> Cassandra six, Leliana one. Here lies the abyss. If we ask them to help the Inquisition, Leliana plus five, Cassandra minus five. Okay, so now we have flipped positions. Leliana is six and Cassandra is one. All right, so that's where I'm at with just major choices all right that that is all that it is um i believe i'm trying to remember when i gave my speech uh i believe my answer was uh this is about a greater message we have an enemy we have to stand together um plus five for leliana so i'm at 11 for leliana and one for cassandra so as much as I can figure out here, Ken, I must have... I, I didn't talk to Cassandra at all during Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts. Or at least if I did, she didn't bring up being a uh, divine. So I don't think I supported her there. Um, and I told Leliana multiple times that I'd support her, which gives her at least plus one. I have no idea how I freaking ended up with Cassandra. <laughs> um, oh, here. Okay, so I'm, I'm reading down further. Um, the option to actually activate or trigger Liliana as a true candidate doesn't happen until her personal quest is complete. Her personal quest can actually take place very late in the game compared to her rival's take care when talking with cassandra vivian as you can ruin liliana's chances very early in the game wait so can you not get those points until you like triggered that as lilian oh my god <sighs> ken why is this system this way why is it built this way i think it's meant to be like super elaborate so you can't just game it and like so you can't just be like oh i'm but... going to pick all these very specific things to make sure that that thing happens 
Um, but but hold but on. I think, but, mm. but they tell you they tell you that Cassandra and Leliana are both up for being divine, but because the the nature of how we structured our show and all that, we waited to do Leliana until one of the last personal quests. Well, so I mean, I it can't be. It can't have been that much of an impact on you because I did at the same time you did. Right. Wait, so you waited to do Leliana until after Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts? Mm-hmm. Okay. But yet we somehow ended up to where... But see, all those gains... See, I just mentioned, like, out of my major story choices, I would have ended up with Leliana plus 11, like 10 points over Cassandra. So what I'm saying is... Like, I might have made minor choices, but I'm interested to see if the points behind what I chose meant that it was, like, 3 to 2 instead of, like, 12 to 2, mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah. that's that's what I'm talking about. And I, I like this idea. I actually really like this idea on its head. Like, this is a cool thing of just having choices throughout the game. And, and the other thing I like is that tiny little dialogue stuff affects it. Like, even if you're not talking to them, but you're talking to other people, yeah. like, all this little stuff can kind of shift everything. I like that. But... I was frustrated because I was like, I spent the whole game going, okay, yeah, Leliana, Leliana's great divine, Leliana would be great, but because of one, one trigger, one, one thing, one little thing, even with this character who had already professed like a desire to be the divine, but because I hadn't flipped the switch. (laughs) So it doesn't say... I'm reading the the thing down here, like the option to actually activate flash trigger Liliana as a true candidate doesn't happen until after her personal quest is complete. I'm I'm assuming that means that Liliana cannot receive points towards I, that, that that can't be right because she gets them from decisions as early on as like the mage stuff. Oh, that is correct. Your wait. Are you sure can you not do Liliana stuff until you get to Skyhold? I mean, you can't do that quest until, I think, after Wicked Eyes with Hearts. I don't think that's right. I think I've, you can do that I've quest earlier. The... I thought I thought the reason we delayed Liliana was because certain stuff, like certain dialogue options, only happened after Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts. Because that was the reason why we delayed some other stuff as well. Was because there would be certain the options. Becomes, the quest becomes available late in the game following the completion of both Here Lies the Abyss and Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts. Oh, okay. So no, that was well, just then a matter how, of like how the thing. hell did Cassandra end up as my divine? <laughs> I, <laughs> if, I mean, if, you gave her a head start. Look, when you picked the Templars, so I guess, but it immediately came back down when I when I chose the other option, and here lies the abyss. Like that effectively wiped away the boost she got from the Templars, and gave Liliana a boost as well, which she didn't receive any negatives from the Templar selection. So either I must have just, in a dialogue, like, given Cassandra a couple, like, a plus five or two, or I guess I, I must have said something like, you'd make an excellent divine or, or something like that um, in in Wicked Eyes, Wicked Hearts. I think that's the only way that could happen, but I literally do not remember <laughs> saying that. <laughs> so um, there we go. Anyways, that's all to <laughs> say, like, I don't think Cassandra ending up as divine is necessarily terrible um i mean so she does it's weird they like set her up as a reformer in a way but like 
a slower reformer than than Liliana would be. Um, she mm. reestablishes the circles, which it was weird. They were like, she reestablished the circles, and as a reformer, and I was like, that's that's what it was before. That's not what a reformer does. Mm. <laughs> but um, her big thing ends up being that because of the choice we made in Cassandra's personal quest, uh she reforms the seekers and gives them new purpose and uh when obviously i think every divine has an uprising against them and if you've chosen if you chose certain choices they will either like squelch it or it will continue to fester and for cassandra she squelched it out because she had the new seekers and they basically like killed (laughs) everyone (laughs) and um so i was like you know that's fine i guess the reason why it irritates me is because it means that in trespasser that means i'll have to make some changes uh but other than that uh to what because i i don't think you're i don't think your character can be a party member if they are the no they can they can yeah do they wear the divine armor like do they just hang out in divine clothes no they just switch out of it oh that's weird okay well okay then my party doesn't have to change but also i also like i think i would have personally liked like the first time i played this game i had liliana as the divine and i i liked that outcome a lot mm-hmm. so i would have liked to have seen that but apparently yeah, i, I think she... screwed myself in the number somewhere so i mean i just i think liliana i mean everyone's got their opinion on who thinks the best one but like i just i liked that liliana seems to be like having a like progressive stance of it like every point like you know she's not a character that maintains the status quo or like uh you know as, as a person who thinks that the entire thing should just be abolished to begin with like having someone who is at least aware there are problems in the way that this uh institution has always gone about things so mm-hmm. you know change of my name is necessary yeah and i mean i i've never done the the vivienne divine route i think she goes into a route that's like further involving the chantry and the mages if i remember correctly like basically fusing the two closer together yeah um let's see she was the first mage to hold the position and the uproar is immediate uh three revolts following following quick succession and her response is immediate and vicious for months chaos reigns to the surprise of many she reinstates the circle of magi and creates the templar order firmly leashed to her hand uh mages rise quickly in the new circle having more freedom and responsibility than ever before even if all true power lies with her um, and then there's each of them have a uh, sort of, or um, I guess Cassandra and Vivian have things tied to their approval versus like how they feel about the Inquisitor, um, and basically just like what is their relationship to the Inquisition at large, and it's either positive or restrained. Um, mm. It's 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 interesting. I, I think the divine stuff plays out better once we get to trespasser. I, I think all of this stuff plays out better once we get to trespasser. And then obviously like what we choose depending on our um our specific uh factions. So for me the Templars were recruited into the Inquisition and they basically became like um they they became like the force of the inquisition and existed in that way for a long time or whatever um i'm trying to find the exact um yeah when the divine reforms the templar order they like to remain with the inquisition under colin's command uh so basically the templars don't like 
the order is reformed, but they don't go back, the ones who are under the Inquisition. Hmm. Um, how did your mage stuff pan out? It's because Liliana is divine, and I made them my allies instead of, like, conscripting them. Uh, it says, when Liliana spans the circles, they leave the Inquisition and reform the college, uh, reform the College of Enchanters as the new order of the college. They say, will allow mages of the South to gather in peace and seek new solutions to age-old problems. For the moment, it appears to be working. Mages are enjoying unprecedented acceptance throughout Thetis. So basically, they got to, like, sort their own shit out and, like, not be under any sort of scrutiny by the Templars. And mm-hmm. just, you know, basically make a Hogwarts. And that's cool. That's where they should be, in my yeah, opinion. Wait. Mm. Okay, I'm suddenly starting to think that my save got messed up. Why? Because I scrolled ahead to the final slide and something is wrong. Okay. Well, we'll talk about this in a moment. Uh, I'm going to have to look at some stuff. But... Um, so our final slide is kind of this general thing about the Inquisition that Morgan, who has been delivering this voiceover the whole time, delivers. And uh, she makes a final comment on the Inquisition kind of based on what we predominantly chose over the course of the game. Uh, for me, it was like, I think I got the connections one, which is like it's diplomacy and trading favors and stuff like that. Uh, you can also get ones based on secrets or forces, just depending on what you chose on the war table the most. Mm. Uh, also, the art changes. Morgan is either by herself or has Kieran by her side. Yeah. And that is specifically what is wrong here, because mine did not have Kieran. <laughs> and, uh-huh. uh, I know for a fact that nothing happened to Kieran because I literally the last conversation I had with Morgan Kieran was standing right there and I was talking to him and all that so I think something's messed up in my save Ken I think that's, that's the only answer weird huh. yeah right I'm now yeah. like yeah I, I have no clue what happened so mm. yeah I um got uh, Morgan commented on the uh, the secrets for me specifically. So like I guess Liliana was doing a lot of legwork like, mm-hmm. for me. This is exciting, Ken. I'm gonna have to find out if my save for trespasser is borked or not. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, but I guess b- besides that note, so as a whole, this this kind of cap off to everything, it does feel kind of light right like Mm -hmm. we get kind of the little character stuff where they're like oh okay you know we're gonna hang around and all that we get kind of some broad sweeping things about the decisions we've made so far but doesn't have that like finality and i think it maybe even back then if uh we didn't know then but obviously in retrospect we know now like it was pretty clear they were planning on doing something like trespasser right um and that's made all the more clear when we get to the post-credit stinger. Mm. Oh, let's talk about it, Ken. Um, I don't know how like something that's like thirty seconds long can carry like so much baggage on its shoulders. Cause it, mm. yeah. Let's let's, we, let's run through it. We we cut to a scene of Flemeth messing around with an alluvian. And she she turns around and she's basically like, I'm so sorry it turned out this way, my dear Dread Wolf. And then we see Solus. And Solus is like, I could not control the orb after I awoke from my slumber. So he basically confirms that in the in the short 30 seconds, we get confirmation that Solus is Fen Harel, the Dread Wolf. Uh, 
obviously also con- double confirms that Flemeth is Mithal. Uh, the orb was somehow given to Corypheus through Solus's machinations uh, because he was not able to control it, but he wanted to do something with it. And then Solus goes to embrace Mithal, and Mithal's like, I'm so sorry. And so Solus. And then Solus, like, straight saps the life out of Mithal into himself and then looks up at the camera with glowy eyes and that's how it ends so so at this point we uh we don't really know all that that entails we can assume that mythal slash flemeth is in some way dead and or absorbed much in the way that mythal absorbed the old god soul from kieran although that did not kill kieran uh but we now have confirmation that Solus is the dread wolf and he was kind of orchestrating everything that happened in inquisition and sets up an eventual confrontation possibly in a future dlc ken how we feeling (laughs) you're you're all like you're all like getting ready to deliver a screen i'm just sitting here worrying like is my whole dragon age save broken <laughs> like i'm literally I'm, concerned right well, now <laughs> this is why it's good you played on pc you can just go fix it yeah i can just go I, honestly i could probably just go into keep and make a new save if it's broken and just play that in in trespasser but i digress hmm. ken yeah i guess so. what's up um so this was the moment like six years ago that i started to get like very suspect of Dragon Age as a franchise in terms of its, like, ability to not even just, like, carry plot points forward, but, like, really feel like it was leading towards something, like, this entire time. Um, because I think also, like, sometime around, uh, when Inquisition was out, like, I think it might have been Mark Darrow that said that Bioware had no end for Dragon Age planned. Like, there was, like, they had no, uh, like, like, they basically explicitly said that they were not leading towards anything. They were just kind of making fucking games and just, like, giving these sort of, like, you know, very minuscule, like, carryover uh, references and cameos. And so the reason that Flemeth dying ostensibly at the end of this game was a trigger for that was because, like, she is the one constant of all the Dragon Age. She was a character that we thought we met in Origins. Two brought her back to life. Like, like she has, like, these touchstones in every protagonist that we've met. Like, there's mm-hmm. always the sense that she is scheming and leading towards something. Um, and that was, like, what we talked about uh, last week when we were talking about, like, when she's talking to Morrigan. And she's like, oh, I've got all these plans. And she takes the god soul from Kieran. Like, uh, you know, again, like... Assuming that, like, it makes us assume that, like, she has something planned for that. That that mm-hmm. long, overarching, tri- like, trilogy, series, whatever you want to call it, like, that series-long plot point and decision that we made meant something tangible and meaningful and is all playing into this character that is working in the background's plan. Because, like, Flemeth has been very enigmatic throughout the whole series. Like, she is very much positioned as a villain, in some way. Um, but it's always been very vague. Like, it, like it's... 
if like viewing the Dragon Age series like through her eyes, like it is very it very much feels like she's kind of uh taking pieces of the world at large for her own and we as the player just kind of like pass through her story as it's happening. Um mm-hmm. But she's dead now. She is well, like uh, so okay, Flemeth it seems like Flemeth is dead. Maybe Mythal is not dead, but Flemeth is dead. Sure. Sure. And, you know, whatever the distinction means in the grand scheme of things, that is, you know, that's that's one question. That's, like, that's one talking point, but, like, Flemeth, that enigmatic character that we have known for three games, is gone. Presumably, like, Mythal, her, like, all these, like, she she is basically a collection of three spirits at this point being the the old god, Mythal, and Flemeth. All of which seem to have been absorbed by Solus. This dude we have known for one game. Like, and that is... I, I don't mean to, like, discredit Solus as, like, an, as, like, an antagonist in this series, but, like, when... It, it feels very much like, say, like, say, for example, the, the mage and Templar story getting swept up in Corypheus. Hmm. Like, these things that are, like, these common threads and, like... That we are sensibly building to some, like, really important, climactic, world-changing moment. Just get swept up into something else. And, like, all this sort of, like, foreshadowing that they seem to be doing gets handed off to a new character about, like, in a way that is not readily apparent, like, un- and not readily, readily communicated to us in a way that makes it feel earned, makes it feel, uh, like, actively planning towards something, like, all these things are going to actually ultimately culminate in something huge. Mm. To And to kill that character off, which is, like, the sole constant of the entire series, in a post credit scene, after she, like made all these implications that she was, like, really working towards something, that she has been moving all these chess pieces, and, like, she's, like, ten steps ahead of everybody. Solus can have her. Solus can, like, this character, that, like, we know, like, and granted, like, you know, Trespasser is going to establish that he has, like, grander plans, and we are going to, like, really reckon with that seemingly in the next game. It felt so, it felt so bizarre to me in the moment to, like, really watch any notion that this franchise is ever, like, really planning ahead in the way that, like, say, Mass Effect was. Uh, just, like, I suppose, die. Yeah. yeah. I I think what I'm most interested to see is what they do with this moving forward, because I think there is enough here for them to say that, like, she's not actually dead, but has maybe been, like, absorbed or something. And what, again, what that entails, like, yes... Flemeth's body is dead, but this is not even the first time that we've killed right. Flemeth in the series. Yeah. So, um, and and it's worth noting that she's seen like messing with the Alluvian at the beginning, so we don't know what that can mean. You know, like this is Flemeth; she could have easily had some sort of contingency plan for what's right. going on here and all that. Yeah, and um, just and just to, like touch on to touch on that yeah. specifically, I feel like if you pull that shit twice, it's no longer interesting. Because I think, like, the Hawk moment, like, Hawk taking the, the medallion up to the, the place in Kirkwall um, to bring her back, that was, like, a moment. That was, like, a moment of, like, maybe, yes. like, it might be, like, course correction of, like, you know, they left a character, like, in a, in a position where they could be dead in Origins. So, like, they are maybe going out of their way to fix that in a way so, like, they can use the character moving forward and, like, a, at a point where, like, they are trying, like, to be more forward-thinking. But, like, if you pull that again, mm-hmm. I'm just, like, I... It's it's a cool idea the first it's time. It's a cop-out. The second time around, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the other thing I would say is just, like, 
I think the soulless stuff. I, I I think we're moving past the point of Flemeth, specific like Flemeth the character, not like Flemeth slash Mythal, but like what whatever purpose Flemeth was serving is kind of moving past the point. I think that they kept having her as this cryptic person who kind of came in and just threatened Morgan vaguely or commented on the protagonist doing stuff like it could have gotten overwrought so they did need to move in some way with that with that story and um I think the direction that we're going with like involving Fen Harrell and obviously like we can already tell now and we'll we'll know more in Trespasser but like the way that it's moving towards that story of the old gods and all that stuff I don't think that's the last we'll see of Mythal at all mm-hmm. and um I would argue that it's probably going, they're going to try and work that in in some interesting way. But whether that actually, like, the thing I'm concerned about is whether that actually involves Mythal or whether there's been, like, like whether it just becomes another tool in Fen Harrell's kit, right. you know? And, and, like, is this going to, I want this character to actually have a role to play in what's to come. And I think if they can find an interesting way to do that, then I'm on board. But yeah, like you said, it can't just be a. Uh, Oh, she put a piece of her soul. You know, she's got like a Horcrux that she put through the right. Alluvian. Um, you know, I I don't want that. Um, I would love to see a way that they could still involve that character without pulling that trick twice. Like maybe she inhabits a new body. Maybe Mythal inhabits Morgan. Like maybe that's what the events of Inquisition ultimately set up is that Morgan becomes the new body for Mythal, or My... you know, they combine in some way or something like that. Or you know, like they're kieran could get involved like there are a lot of options here that i think they could explore my and mm. i want to see them try something new with it so i don't ultimately hate the idea of losing specifically flemeth but i don't know i but like i also like my read on the like the post-credit scene was like my it felt to me like solace was like just absorbing the power of like both with and the old god and mm-hmm. whatever you know whatever that means. like that was part of me it was like is Morgan or slash maybe the Inquisitor like are they like oh, tied to Solus in a different way like, in some way yeah and that's because Morgan I throw... makes that reference she's like oh now if I see my mother again I have to do everything she tells me yeah right and that's like and that's one Ferland with with I really like Solus like I really like that you know and we'll get into stress but there is this villain that like we have a very tangible tie to in a very interesting personal way but if he's just gonna be like this gaping maw that eats the Dragon Age universe and like becomes like the sole proprietor of everything, that just that's not interesting to me. Like that's like because like in that case he basically has absorbed Morgan's entire family in one way or another. Like or like is tied to them in some way that is. <sighs> I suppose, but I, I do it, like it. Just, the it, idea. it feels like it just feels like a real shame to me that like. Hmm. After everything that happened, and after what Pride had brought, and like they had that moment of like, you know, ostensibly closure for Morrigan, but like definitively not closure for Flemeth, that she gets, she's dead. She is, she was like the vessel in which Mythal was delivered to Solus. I I'm just also very much like a, I I enjoy when a story is willing to like pit its characters against each other and push these characters to i mean like even be willing to kill its own characters to to further something and normally i'd be like if corypheus had been the one to kill flemeth i would have been pissed but like i feel maybe not in this moment but once they get to trespasser and once they get to building up who this character is and if they pulled off right in dragon age 4 like solace could be 
the best villain this series has had and yeah um and, and especially like when i think of bioware games honestly i think they have trouble establishing like very recognizable villains um because like throughout the mass effect trilogy uh i think Saren was honestly probably the most memorable for me because the reapers are kind of this i mean the elusive man though i feel like force. well so the elusive man is is another case and i am still not wild about the way his story wrapped because he kind of just ended up going out on a fart <laughs> and, um mm-hmm. i think Saren was just more it's i felt like they told the Saren story twice with the elusive man and uh i thought Saren was done in a more interesting way from the way it was structured and all that but um and I, i'd say andromeda did not have a particularly memorable villain mm-hmm. either and dragon age 2 had a bunch of villains <laughs> and origins just had a dragon (laughs) so Mm. um i yeah i'm just i love the idea that this series has this villain that it can really like build upon and then also like to see them you know one of the cool things about inquisition and really all the dragon age games is you're building up these forces over time what if you've got a villain who can do the same what if you've got a villain who can go and acquire these forces and turn them on you and so it makes your choices feel more tangible in that you know, we did already have the choice of mages or Templars in that whoever we chose, Corypheus acquired the other. But if if that feels more tangible and more reasonable because we don't just have this like, oh, well, the mages decided to go with Corypheus, but like we could have Solus be this real character who people would have a reason to want to follow and back. Like, and it could turn previous party members against each other and stuff like that. That could be interesting. I'd be very interested to see that, so... Mm. that's that's my way of saying like yeah i understand totally frustration with flameth and i feel some of it too but i want to see if they're going to use this to actually build up something right because i think it could get pulled off do i have a lot of faith that it could get pulled off is Mm. a different question (laughs) i think that's it kind of work mm. i mean that's kind of where i'm falling on it's like Flemeth, like, Flemeth has basically been fridged here. It's like, I mean, it's basically exactly what has happened. But also, maybe, like, the, the character we're talking about less is, like, Kieran has, at least in terms of, like, his impact on this universe, has also been. Like, and I think that's what... Why was Kieran not in my epilogue? <laughs> well, no, yeah. Um, so, like, my ultimate, like, thoughts on it is I don't... Like, Dragon Age as a franchise has given me no reason to have any faith that mm. it's going to do right by the two characters that it kind of undermined. Or not, not even kind of, like, explicitly undermined. So, yeah, it was a, it was a moment of awakening. Like, all of the, the angst that this, this these series of Dragon Age uh, podcasts have brought out have been... Like, it, it can all be traced back to this moment. This was the moment where I realized the, the things that I was... Like, that Dragon Age was stringing me along with were going nowhere. Or they were going a place that, like, didn't feel earned in the way that I needed it to, to, like, really be invested in it long term. Gotcha. Will that change with Trespasser? We'll find out next episode. Uh, I mean, that's that, that does it for, for Dragon Age Inquisition proper. Um, I feel like that's a weird note to end on because I feel like the, the predominant, like, ending to inquisition as a whole is trespasser and yeah 
I'm excited to tear into that DLC because it is, it's a lot. Oh yeah. boy. It's, um, Next Monday is going to be a very long episode. Yeah. yeah. So like, <laughs> you know how you said, like when we were ranking the Mass Effect uh, things after we finished that series, like how you said uh, Citadel was like the top, your top ranking of Mass Effect things. And then you said, mm-hmm. had the games. Mm-hmm. Trespasser is that for me with Dragon Age. It is my singular favorite Dragon Age thing. And mm. I feel like it, it, on like on like several fronts, it is like very like if, if you were to distill what I like about the series into one thing, it is there. Um, and it's got like my favorite like final choice ending scene of pretty much anything that uh, that has come out of the series. So I'm sorry to talk about it, but like my ultimate feelings are like I need Dragon Age Four to really like take it and run with it which well, i mean we'll, we'll probably have, have yeah we'll, we'll have an idea yeah. by the time that we get to yeah. next episode that's exciting we'll have that to talk about too yeah. we'll be able to talk about trespasser and talk about the i mean was ostensibly the last look at dragon age before the new year which mm. is exciting hopefully next monday will be a very exciting episode and if you want to tune in you should be listening to us we are norm bfm we are a bioware retrospective podcast you can find us at all the the common outlets, uh, Spotify, Apple, etc. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash normdfm, where lots of lovely people back us every week. Uh, for those of you who back us at a certain tier, uh, you, you back us pretty well, and so we like to shout you out every week. This week, those people are Kevin Kulikowski, Chris Johns, Alice Hawk, Colin Just Colin, Just Zach Mickle, The Wedge of Destiny, and Will Bang, okay? Uh, thank you all so much for backing, and we're, we're excited to, to cap it off. We've got one more episode in Trespasser, and we also have the Q&A, which will be going up the week of... Uh, I, I, the week of Christmas, to put it in the, the week of the, the 21st. Uh, and we are still taking questions for that. So you can reach out normbfm at gmail.com. You can send us questions there about whatever within reason we do reserve right to, uh, to not answer some questions if they feel a bit much, but uh, we will also, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about our jobs, our lives, other games, other series, whatever you want us to talk about, you know, within reason, happy to talk about it. We'd love to, to, to give back and give y'all an opportunity to, to kind of poke our brains a bit. And if you can't back us on Patreon, you can always go over, follow us on tour.com slash normdfmshow, where we post all of our updates, links to the SoundCloud, etc., cetera, uh, as well as all the content that Ken and I do. Ken, are you excited for Trespass? Are you ready? Are you are you pumped? I'm going to go on some high type notes. Way. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go farm power and figure out why my save is broken. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if modding destroyed my save. Yeah, this is like left <laughs> the hubris. Really fuck with him. The chickens have come home to roost. Um, for Ken and myself, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time for the Dragon Age Inquisition finale here on Norm DF. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,